Hello, and welcome to MS5, Things They Don't Teach You in Medical School, hosted by Aisha Gulani and Swathi Brahman. Today's episode is called Total Leadership, and we have a special guest with us today. So introducing Dr. Lindsay Kuo. Dr. Kuo is an assistant professor and endocrine surgeon at Temple University. She completed an endocrine surgery fellowship at Brigham and Women's Hospital. Her general surgery training was at the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania, and during that time, she received her MBA from the Wharton School of Business with a focus on healthcare management. And Aisha and I read Dr. Kuo's blog on personal total leadership, which was posted by the Association of Academic Surgeons, and we found the concept that she wrote about to be super valuable, and we're so grateful to have her here as our guest. So here she is, Dr. Kuo. Well, thank you guys so much for inviting me to be on your podcast. I'm incredibly flattered and um, I'm, I love this topic, actually. I feel very strongly about it. And so I'm happy to be discussing it with you today. Yay. We're so glad to have you. Um, so Dr. Quo, you open your blog with your decision to go to business school in the middle of a research fellowship. Um, can you talk a little bit more about your path and why you chose to pursue your MBA when you did? Yes, absolutely. So um, I never really thought I would want to like be a business person. And Mm-hmm. That obviously is not an interest of mine beforehand. Um, well, I guess not obviously, but it wasn't. And, and I was in medical school. I was at Northwestern. It was a great place to go to medical school. But that was my first real clinical medicine experience on the, the grand scale. And one of the things I noticed happening all the time is that it felt like many of the clinicians were left out of the decision-making um, discussions about how they practice medicine. Mm-hmm. And so they're the ones who are patient facing, you know, talking with patients about their diagnoses, doing these surgeries, making long-term decisions about how these patients are cared for. But the larger framework in which they do this was not being decided by people who had clinical experience, or at least that's how it seemed to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that made me think a lot more about the fact that the people in an ideal world or my ideal world should, who are making these decisions about how clinicians provide medical care should be people who've had that experience before. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think it's really challenging to tell a surgeon or an oncologist or someone that they have to do something a certain way when you've not been the person telling a patient bad news or um, making, again, mm-hmm. making a treatment decision for them. So that was where I started to realize that maybe I needed to expand um, my education a little bit if I thought that that was an important thing. And Mm -hmm. I didn't at that point in time think, well, I want to be an administrator or I don't want to be a practicing physician. I just thought to myself that the more people who are practicing physicians who have this knowledge base and can be in these roles, the better. And so when I started applying for residency, I had kind of come to this decision that I wanted to have business school be an option to me. And Mm -hmm. I really was focusing on, I mean, I applied broadly, but I really came out of focusing on some places that had a strong business school affiliation, at least within the larger university. Mm -hmm. Like there's no, you know, surgery residency programs or any other residency programs really that like, you know, provide a funnel to business school. So you have to do it on your own. But I wanted a place that Mm -hmm. was at a university that had a well-known business school where I could get a strong Mm -hmm. education and a place where that would be in that was thought of as different or not a positive step. Um, and I loved Penn when I went there to interview for a, re- for a residency and I matched there and it was a fantastic experience and they were so incredibly supportive of this. Um, mm-hmm. So when I, I did a two research years, we all do two research years at, at Penn. Mm-hmm. And but the year before that, I applied for business school um, at, at Wharton, thinking that I could do that while also doing some other 
um, database health services type of research. And in that way, right. I keep moving my surgical career forward while also um, looking mm-hmm. at these other issues. Cause I would never, ever be able to get a two year period again, where I'd be able to sort of step away from clinical medicine. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I think, you know, one of the things you wanted to talk about today was the total leadership. And that is a concept that I learned in business school. And that, uh, you know, is probably the thing that I applied the most immediately to my own life. And it's something that I continue to sort of discuss actively, like on that blog post, mm-hmm. um, because I think that is an area that is sort of lacking. Exactly. And that brings mm-hmm. us to the next question. So um, in your blog, I guess you talk about a course that you took on personal total leadership during your MBA. Um, so tell us more about this concept of total leadership, what it means to you, um, what the story behind this is. So this was a class I took, um, I believe, at the end of my first, the second half of my first year of business school. And it was run by this professor who has sort of the one to develop this concept from the ground up. And his name is Stuart Friedman. He's written a book on it called Total Leadership. He runs online courses on it. Um, and so the idea, though, is that you need to be a leader in all aspects of your life. You mm-hmm. can't just sort of be kind of passively going along with the flow that if you want to be truly happy, which maybe that's kind of a really derivative way of looking at it. But if you want to really be happy with things are, you need to think deliberately about what you're doing. And so, and then he separates out life into four domains, work, because again, this is business school. Most people are very career oriented. Um, So there's work, there's self, there's family, and there's community. And he would sort of, the whole point of the class was going through these exercises where you really examine your own life, Mm-hmm. discuss sort of priorities and goals and did that with a non-judgmental way with a small group of other people and used the, you know, those conversations and the other people's feedback to sort of help you better refine what your goals are. And his online course that he teaches right now, you kind of do that the same way and you know, more just digitally with other people who are taking the course. I guess you said you took some things away from this class. Um, so how did you see it personally affecting like how you viewed yourself in those four domains? So... This was, again, like probably the most important class I took at Wharton in terms of how immediately it really affected me. Mm -hmm. I talk in the blog post, too, about how in medical school and in medicine in general, we're all just sort of on this like assembly line or pedestrian walkway of like you're just moving. You're just moving from one thing to the next because that's always Mm -hmm. what you've been told to do. So in college, you took the MCAT and then you applied to med school. Then you got into med school Mm -hmm. and now you guys are in med school. You're studying. You're going to take step one you're going to do clinical rotations, you're going to take step two, you're going to apply to residency, you're going to go to residency. And this keeps perpetuating itself. And you're Mm -hmm. in residency and anywhere from like three years to seven or eight years, depending on what you Mm -hmm. go into. And at some point, you you know, you're working, you're working harder than you've ever worked before. And then you need to decide what you want to do with your life. What do you want to subspecialize in and in what setting? And again, nobody sits down and has you think about what do you really want to do and why? Mm-hmm. And not just like what does interest you, but what do you want your life to look like? Because at the end of this process, I, I was 32 when I finished residency. It was a seven-year program. Mm-hmm. Um, if you wake up one day and you're 32 or 33 because I had an extra year of training, if you're 33 you've never really thought about what you want your life to look like, well, that's somewhat problematic. Like you're an adult. You're no longer a 20-year-old mm-hmm. who's in college. Mm-hmm. But you realize you've been on this path for, you mm-hmm. know, 13, 14, however long, um, that many years without taking a moment to pause. And so this idea that you need to stop and then somewhat regularly 
figure out what is important to you in each of those areas, Mm -hmm. set yourself a goal and then figure out how to get there. That was life-changing is, you know, it it, it was life-changing because nobody had ever told me that before. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's unique to medicine. I think there are a lot of other people out there in business who, again, had not really stopped to think about their long-term goals or what are their personal career goals and Mm -hmm. not just their career goals. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. So I I don't think we're alone in that. But I think for me, that was, again, the first time somebody said, you can't just think, okay, in 30 years, I want to be like a department chair or whatever. You need to think about what do you want next? And Mm -hmm. what do you want? Like, how do you want what you want for your personal life? how is your job going to make that happen? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and I think that's the, I think that was in some ways that's the most challenging part. Cause I think again, we're so career oriented mm-hmm. and it's really easy when you're a resident to be like, well, I want to go to a fellowship. Then I want to get a job mm-hmm. and then I want to be a division chief or whatever. But you don't <laughs> think like, well, I also want to have a family and be a great parent. That, that was just for me, for example, mm-hmm. I want to go to family, have a great family. I want to be a great parent. Mm-hmm. I want to be a present parent. And I'm not saying I can't do those other things. But how do those things sort of all balance out for one another so that I'm not making Mm -hmm. a spur of the moment in the heat of the moment decision about what I need to do next. Right. I'm thinking, how does this decision play into the other things that are important to me? Right. I think Aisha and I have talked about that as well. (laughs) Um, And it's throughout like pre-med, like pre-med, you sign up for a track and then you're just on that track and Mm -hmm. it just takes you through. You could just sit back, relax, do well in your classes, call it a day. You don't have to really think about this stuff and you're not mm-hmm. forced to. Yeah. And I'm not saying you need to think about this. Like you guys were what, probably 23, 22, 23. Yeah. And you may not need to think about that right now because, you, you know, you're not at a point where you're thinking necessarily, although you might be, but like when do you want to have a family or what kind of parent do you want to be? Mm-hmm. But the problem is if you have those blinders on to the rest of the world, right. you will be a resident who is halfway through residency and getting to the point where you're realizing that a lot of the chances to make decisions that affect your life in all these aspects, like those Mm -hmm. are kind of moving by. Yeah. And I think it's how many times have we heard someone say like, oh, like after residency, I'll finally like settle down or I'll finally do this Mm -hmm. in my life and that and like pushing off all these things that they want to do because we quote unquote don't have time right now. Um, You know, these four domains are what we need to focus on. And like, clearly we have the career part down or like in, in, t- in terms of like putting time into that but like the other three just constantly fall through the cracks of being so involved in the career aspect mm-hmm. right and I think one of, the, one of the concepts that kind of goes along with this is what Dr. Friedman called work-life integration because it's the idea that there's mm-hmm. it's not balance he was very careful not to use the word like work-life <laughs> balance but yeah. like this idea that, again, decisions that you make for work will impact you elsewhere and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So when you are making a decision for work, you are also making a decision, perhaps unintentionally, for family, for per- yourself, mm-hmm. in terms of like your personal life, et cetera. And, you know, like you can't ignore that fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't just say, I'm only going to focus on work to the exclusion of everything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you can if, you, if, that's, a, if that's your deliberate <laughs> choice, but then... You need to think about what you know. What is your life going to look like in five years? Right. And if is this is this is your current behavior going to help you get there? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And among the domains, when you kind of first went into this class, what did you struggle with the most among the four? I struggled with community the most because mm-hmm. you know, by that point, I was almost married. I was engaged. I was living with my fiance. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so, you know, we had a very clear goal in mind of getting married and then living together and, you know, establishing a life together. Mm -hmm. Obviously work and career had its sort of its own thing. And again, all these things you have to just, you still have to think about, right? You can't just say, well, I know I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm going to, that's fine. I don't need to think about it anymore. You still need to think about them. But I think what was the hardest for me to even process how to think about it was the community aspects. I was mm -hmm. like, well, I, what, what community are we talking about here? Mm -hmm. I don't do anything besides go to work and come home. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, go, go to the gym, which was like my self component of it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was the hardest one for me. And I, I will be honest, I'm not sure I really like made a lot of progress with that one. I guess when you're not a resident anymore, it is easier to sort of like really maintain friendships and stuff. But mm -hmm. beyond, you know, I don't have a lot of like other organizations that I belong to. I just have some mm -hmm. very good friends from here and there in my life. And that's what I consider my community. But that, that's probably been the hardest one for me to consistently mm -hmm. um, focus on. Mm -hmm. And what do you see in terms of medical students that you've seen in the past few years, what did they struggle with the most? I think that's going to be different, difficult for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because we are, again, as you mentioned, you guys are all so career or work focused mm -hmm. that right. that tends to dominate. And I think for everyone else, how you balance the other things out, like how do you prioritize the other things? And again, just when I say like, it's not just about prioritizing and saying, well, this is going to take X amount of time or X percent of my time. It's about like making conscious and thoughtful decisions about what you want in that domain. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's harder for people. So maybe it is family, maybe it is self. Um, mm -hmm. If you are maybe, you know, or community, I, it's hard to know what and every individual person um, has difficulty with in terms of identifying a goal and how they're going to reach it. Again, for me, that was community, but mm -hmm. um, right. everyone's going to be a little bit different there. And then I guess a follow-up on that is whatever aspect is kind of lacking in each person. How do you suggest encouraging students to reach this balance of total leadership? I think, again, it's not so much what's lacking. You know, the whole concept is you should take a moment to figure out what you want out mm -hmm. of your life in those four areas. Okay. And, you know, I think everyone's going to figure out their own balance. And so what, what may be lacking may be a de deliberate thing. Mm -hmm. Um. And, you know, for again, for me, what I struggle with the most with community, which probably what I still decided was probably, again, comparatively, needed the smallest, the, the least amount of my time, like least fraction of my time, because mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I was a resident when I was doing that. So um, it's not about lacking. It's about um, just being thoughtful and taking, even taking a moment, not, not just a moment, but taking some serious time to think about your goals and each mm -hmm. thing like that's the first step because if you don't sit down and think about what you want to look your life to look like in five or ten years you're not even going to think about how you can get there you need to at least have that vision to start with mm -hmm. right. so i guess ideally it should be like you should take some time to think about these four domains and whether mm -hmm. you choose to like prioritize focusing on one or the other in a certain period of time in your life is fine but as long as you've taken some time mm -hmm. to like think about the different domains yeah, I think that's a good first step is just thinking about these things and thinking mm -hmm. about your goals. And doctor, there is a book on this called, I think, Total Leadership. And mm -hmm. if this is something that people really want to do, you, you get the book and it kind of walks you through a lot of these exercises. Like that's what we used in our class to okay. like, guide us through these discussions. So, mm -hmm. And again, I'm probably not doing the concepts justice, but I think the first <laughs> step is, I think the first step to all of this is acknowledging the fact that you maybe have not 
ever had this conversation with yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. And that you right. need, you need to, and actually I'm really grateful for you guys for even bringing this up. Cause I realized that like, I'm now like kind of nearing the end of my, like I had thought about like a five year period of time after residency and I'm sort mm-hmm. of now like three years into it. So I need to think about what I want to else want to do in my five, like my, last two years and then like mm-hmm. we sort of reassess for the next handful of years mm-hmm. and it's a constant <laughs> process yeah you need to kind of continually evaluate everything right no that's so true it changes um as you go on so so I then I like oh, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no I was just saying I kind of I really like the way you were kind of saying um like you know think about the next five years and work backwards from that um because I know whenever people are asked like oh where do you see yourself in five years it's like so cliche and like whatever but um I think it's really great to actually make ourselves sit down and think about like really where do we see ourselves in five years in those four aspects definitely yeah absolutely and then it's it's just it's just even starting that process to Mm -hmm. think about your goals and then how do you get there Mm -hmm. right yeah and then going back to to leadership, I guess. So if you're integrating these different aspects of your life, I guess you're supposed to be like a better leader, like a more effective leader. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the qualities that you have seen embody like some of the best leaders in medicine? Um, I think I really, I think the more you see, the more you appreciate in general. Um, for me, one of the things that I have really admired about one of um, my, my, my boss right now, actually, Amy Goldberg, she's the chair of my department. Um, and I think I think we all admire different things about each other. So other people may say something different about her in terms of like her grit and how dedicated she is. What Mm -hmm. I really have come to um, really appreciate about her is the grace that she gives everyone. Like she's got a Mm -hmm. number of roles in the hospital, for example, Mm -hmm. and she's constantly dealing with other people's, you know, problems, putting out fires here and there. (laughs) And I think in medicine, we really get wrapped up into the idea of, you know, perhaps unintentionally of like blaming other people for not working hard or not being, how do they not know this? Why didn't they do X, Y, Z? I would have done that. And it's a really dark place to go to. And it's really easy to get into that. And I definitely succumb to that, you know, in med school Mm -hmm. um, and in residency, and you'll see other people doing it all the time. And again, I did a ton (laughs) in, in residency, just, being frustrated with other people for not knowing what I wish they knew. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that I've learned that I try to um, model myself now that I've learned from watching Dr. Goldberg is just having, um, it's not just the idea that everyone's doing their best, which there is that, but like having the grace to acknowledge that other people are going to make mistakes that maybe you anger you or frustrate you mm-hmm. or whatever. And then figuring out a solution and moving on. And that doesn't mean you can't show your frustration or your disappointment, but it means Mm -hmm. that how you treat them and how you approach fixing the problem or the situation is just, it doesn't make people feel bad about themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's something I am, I feel like I am working on because I feel like it's something I never thought about before. Mm -hmm. So that's where I am right now. I'm sure if you asked me a year ago, I would have said something different. Um, but I think, again, I think you admire new things about people the more you understand their jobs mm-hmm. or realize what you personally need to improve upon. Mm-hmm. Right. That's such a nice way of like putting being a people person, I guess. It's just learning to deal with people's conflicts. Mm-hmm. But 
just be a nice person about it. Yeah. And again, it's not that you can't be upset or frustrated mm-hmm. or disappointed. Right. It's just how, how do you treat others? And then, you know, it's really easy to be mm-hmm. the mantra, well, treat other people the way you would want to be treated. That's like, that's too simplistic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that like, again, I've been thinking about and actually one another the different medical student who was on my service told me that he saw me sort of at behaving in this way, like where he said that, I didn't yell at somebody for something that they had done in my operating room. And I just was calm and he learned more from me in that moment. <laughs> and I was very flattered because I feel like that's something that I, I do try to think about. Like, mm-hmm. And um, so that's, that's currently the thing that I feel like is the most important mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. No, that's an amazing quality to have for a leader, especially to kind of, you know, not demoralize people you're working with. How do you work on cultivating this? How can like, how can you cultivate this quality? Mm-hmm. Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, it's something that I'm working on because I'll be honest, I had an, like an, I wouldn't say episode, I had um, something happen in my operating room, I would say back in like late May, early June, and I got really angry. And I kind of like yelled at the resident. And I don't get really yell, like I'm not like a real yeller. I'm <laughs> sure it's, when I do, it's not like back in 1950 when, you know, the, the classic Sturgeon stereotype of really throwing a fit and throwing things about a room. Oh, um, but that, so that's not me anyway, but I got very upset and the mm-hmm. resident knew it and I felt horrible afterwards. And I realized that like, again, we all, we all make mistakes and we are all going to continue mm-hmm. to make mistakes no matter how long you've been doing this. And the most important thing is to keep the patient safe. Mm-hmm. Right. And to, again, if a person, if you, if somebody makes a mistake, including you, you're going to feel horrible, horrible about it. If you're the person who made the mistake, mm-hmm. you're going to think about it for, for a long time. It doesn't go away. You're not just going to brush it off and not be caring about it. So mm-hmm. you don't need to add to that person's personal sense of disappointment or frustration or mm-hmm. embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, again, it is realizing that's something that I felt bad about doing and that I want to do better at. And now I'm just trying to, remember that when I'm in these situations. Um, mm-hmm. It's like anything where you want to, where you want yourself to grow or change or be different. It has to be a deliberate, a deliberate process. I think, yeah, if we're able to kind of, you know, think more about it and like take time to cultivate that grace, as you said, um, I think we'll all be able to kind of benefit moving forward. Again, it's not how you, it's not what you say, it's how right. you say mm-hmm. it. And you can right. people to high standards and you can have high expectations. Mm-hmm. And you can tell them that that what, what happened is not really acceptable. But again, it's or that they need to do better. But there's again ways you can say it that don't make people, that don't contribute to people feeling worse about themselves. Mm-hmm. And there's where they can feel like you know what mistakes happen because if they are, they do happen to everyone. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's a great point. I guess since you've seen management and leadership in a business school setting, and mm-hmm. you've seen management and leadership in a medical setting. What are some of the similarities and differences in terms of like how leaders and like how how leaders like manage things or how it's conducted? Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a ton of differences. Okay. I do think that again, if you are looking at a physician in a leadership position in a hospital or other, you know, clinical environment, I think it's hard for the for for that person to totally completely turn off their clinician hat. Mm-hmm. But I do think there's there's a way that, you know, you're able to think with more of the lens of more of like a business person or an administrator. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of the lessons are very applicable to both. And you just have to figure out how you can be applying those. 
one of the greatest things I think about having, like, say, Twitter or, I mean, the internet makes the country broad, but, like, for again, <laughs> Twitter, for example, is you can really be exposed to a lot more ideas in very succinct ways mm -hmm. that may affect you. Like, you may not be able to be, like, if, I, if you, let's say, you're running a program at a hospital, you may not be able to say, like, I'm going to go, I think I need to read this business-based book about whatever, mm -hmm. but you know, again, I think you can easily pick up what some people would say are like some great leadership qualities or um, approaches to mm -hmm. teams working together or stuff like that, that you can really get in a short, succinct way from like Twitter, for example. So again, I don't think there's any set differences. I think there's a lot of overlap. And I think we're seeing more of it because people are increasingly exposed to ideas that come from areas they may not have otherwise in like looked into mm -hmm. it's pretty similar i was just wondering if there's anything mm -hmm. like specifically a leader no. in medicine should think about mm -hmm. um versus anybody oh. else um, no but again i think going back to the idea that one of the one of the experiences you have as a, uh, having been a clinician ever is knowing what it's like to take care of patients and mm -hmm. i think mm -hmm. that's what you're trying to bring to the table you can't forget that mm -hmm. right and it's interesting that you say that they have such um similar leadership qualities when they have such varying um, educational backgrounds. Yeah. And, you know, I think, again, I think it's something that, you know, more and more the people in leadership mm -hmm. in surgery, at least, are more thoughtful and aware of the idea that there's all these ideas, you know, these uh, theories and approaches that mm -hmm. are more well-established in other areas of academia. Mm -hmm. um, right. That, again, aren't, don't apply to you just because you were a doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, so kind of shifting a little bit back towards, you know, thinking of long-term goals as medical students. Yeah. So in a field like medicine where we've talked about, like, you know, it's like you're working constantly to fill these checkboxes for the next step. How do we sit down and reflect our mindset for long-term goals beyond just what specialty I want to do, what fellowship I want to do, et cetera? you know, in med school, you need to find what you love. Because if you make a decision based on something different, you're ultimately going to be unhappy. And residency mm -hmm. itself is a short time period in your overall medical career. Mm -hmm. I think when you are a resident, that's when you really need to start thinking about what kind of career you want. What setting is it in? What kind of patients is it are? Do you see if it's a procedure or um, operation-based mm -hmm. subspecialty? Is that, a, you know, what, what do you enjoy doing? And then at that is a really the point where you need to be thinking about, I'm making lifelong decisions with this choice. And that is when you absolutely need to factor in what are mm -hmm. your goals for yourself or your family or your larger community of like friends or whomever. Mm -hmm. There is never going to be like a time at which, you know, you can be like, well, today is the day I need to start thinking about, <laughs> my, about the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, right. Because, you know, there might be other things you are subconsciously or that you are not even subconsciously that you are factoring into your decision making that you're not thinking about mm -hmm. in this framework like you might be thinking hey i'm in medical school in philadelphia but my family's from california and i really want to be in california to be closer to them uh -huh. mm -hmm. that is the same that is fact that is applying the, the goals of that, that go along with this process right. to your decision making right you're just not thinking of it like that per se and maybe you're not stopping to think about the other things that are truly important to you Mm -hmm. but maybe that maybe that maybe that's the only one right um so you know i would say there's never went a time where you can say i don't need to think about this and there's never a time where you can say that you do mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. 
which is an incredibly, I know, unsatisfying answer. No, no, that's, that's valid. It's though. still helpful. I think, yeah, it differs per person, as you said. And I know you mentioned like a lot of good books, Total Leadership. Um, and then you've mentioned that Twitter is also a good resource for this. Um, mm-hmm. But kind of going yeah. off of that, any like additional tips you'd have for like medical students on how maybe we can start developing ourselves into more effective leaders and thinking about this? I would say the first step is going to be to acknowledge that you that you may or may not have ever thought about these issues deliberately in the past. <laughs> yeah. And if you haven't, I would say start thinking about them deliberately. And, you know, I'm not here to like hawk any one person's book. I think mm-hmm. the total leadership, I, you know, process is a good one to go through, but it can be sort of time consuming and it's best to do it with other people. Uh-huh. Um, but I think it's hard to realize you need probably to, to take a moment for some self introspection to figure out what your goals are. And in a concrete way, how do you want, how do you want to want to attain those goals and really, you know, reassess are, are, is what you're doing getting you to where you want to be? And I, again, I think in med school, I'm not saying there isn't a role for that. I think it's a lot of harder to see that because again, you need your, their goal is to just get, get a residency and then, you know, really start. But I think starting the process earlier just means that you're going to be better at adapting and making decisions that are right for you. And there are probably, you know, there's definitely the book on this. There's probably other books that are very similar that again, as long as you're taking a moment to really think about what it is that you want, Mm -hmm. um, that's a great first step. And that's doing more than most other people in your situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know I personally will need to have some self-reflection, especially starting a new year would be a good time. Yeah. When you were going through, like, for your journey, like becoming a medical student, then a resident, then a fellow, and now um, a, a professor, how do you see yourself, like, change throughout that journey as a leader? Oh, my gosh. Um, I, I got to say, I don't really think of myself as a leader. And I think, um, <laughs> you know, I think, you know, as you go throughout residency and you're put in charge of junior residents and you're making decisions for patients and then you're, you know, more in a position to direct things in the operating room. I think that kind of inherently puts you as creates you a leadership role, whether or not Mm -hmm. you think about it or want it. And I think for surgeons in particular, it is not always a good thing that you are put into this role without some thoughts on how to be a good leader. Mm -hmm. I don't think Mm -hmm. that all surgeons are, I don't think everyone is always prepared to lead a team of like, five junior residents and medical students mm. and organizing everyone. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think there's a growth process that comes along with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the more you do it, the more thoughtful you become about how you phrase things, how you motivate people, how mm-hmm. you get things done. And I, it's a learning process. I, you know, again, I don't really think of myself as someone who's figured it out. I think of, you know, how, how do I, how do I, know what I want to have happen and how do I get everyone to get there with me Mm -hmm. um so again I think kind of just being conscious of the fact that I'm in charge and I can't just make decisions on a fly Mm um step one that's that's where (laughs) I feel like that's where I'm at we're not all fully formed individuals even Mm -hmm. even now that we're like adults we're really not um and it's just a matter of realizing that again being kind to yourself right. and then figuring out ways to do mm-hmm. it better or differently the next time. Right. And it's an, it's an iterative process. Right. Mm-hmm. No, that just sounds um, awesome that you've been able to kind of see yourself go through, grow through the whole process. 
Yeah, I hope it becomes in you know sort of a more mainstream thought mm-hmm. process. It's, you know, I think the problem is right now it really gets sort of. I guess I haven't been in med school for over 10 years, which is also a horrifying thought, but I think <laughs> you have like, you know, you don't really have like guidance counselors anymore. You just exactly. have like specialty advisors and specialty advisors that their job is fundamentally different than helping you make good lifelong decisions for right. yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like helping, it's giving you practical advice about matching into a specialty. Mm-hmm. And um, I do hope that it becomes more of a common idea to ask you guys to think about your lives in their entirety. Mm-hmm. No, that's so true. It's um, like having just a specialty advisor, like really just, it's the same thing, like creating that one site goal of residency in the future and that's it and nothing else. Um, and that's why like Swathi and I, with this podcast, we're really hoping to be able to, you know, like just, I guess, sound the alarm for this kind of stuff that's often like skipped in yeah. medical schools. Um, so I think your insight has been invaluable to us and our listeners Oh, great. Yeah, thank you so much for talking about this. I think it's like, Mm -hmm. we brought up like so many good points. But for me, I guess a few things that stick out is that like, I love that you're able to say that you're constantly improving and say that like, you're, Mm -hmm. you're still working on yourself, like, you know, like those sort of things. It's, it's so inspiring us to hear someone like a surgeon, like a professor, like at a school, like just still being able to reflect on themselves and still using these lessons Mm -hmm. to continue to grow. I mean, guys, I feel like I was a resident not too long ago, and I'm still struggling mm-hmm. with being not a resident anymore. So <laughs> I'm, you know, incredibly flattered that you asked me to do this and you mm-hmm. value my opinion. And I'm also incredibly flattered that you think I'm like a person who may have figured out some of these things. <laughs> but I feel like every day, every day, I really am um, figuring out how to do better. Mm-hmm. No, That's we awesome. really appreciate like the advice and like just like hearing from someone who's like, constantly reflecting and constantly taking time to do that thank you again for like also being like so humble about like your experiences Ken, thank you so much for having me and good luck to you guys i love this idea and <laughs> i can't wait to see it come i can't wait to see it come to fruition and to be able to listen to it myself we hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation with dr quo i'm sure you all felt this as well but swathi and i got off our recording and we were just so in awe of how humble and reflective she was as a person and physician definitely Yeah, Dr. Poe is an amazing leader for how humble that she is. And I know I definitely see that because she's actually my research mentor this summer. um, And I've seen her apply some of the qualities that she talked about today in our weekly lab meetings. For example, every time she makes it a point to like ask everybody how their day is going and how they're doing at the beginning of the meeting. And another thing I've noticed is that she doesn't interrupt other people, but she like waits for them to finish their thought before giving her input. So these are obviously very small things, but I think they definitely make a huge difference in how you're seen as a leader if people know that you care about them. Definitely. And she made that so clear. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we close out, as always, we have a close the chart quote. And today's quote is from the book Total Leadership by Dr. Friedman that Dr. Quo mentioned throughout her interview. The quote is, leadership is learned by taking action toward a direction you choose, gaining support, exercising skills, reflecting on your experience, and then coaching others. See you next time.